conductive wire And you were so electric I had no say when you came so near And just passed right through me Hey everyone, welcome to Geekdom is Back. I'm your host, Deanna Chapman, and today I am joined by Becky Kovach, and we are talking all about Neil Gaiman's Coraline. This is a cute little book. Becky, did yours also have illustrations? It did. Um, So yeah, I mean, it's a short book to begin with, and then you add in all of the illustrations, and there's really not a whole lot to it. Yeah, I wasn't sure if every version of this had illustrations, but they're done by Dave McKeon. Mm -hmm. And he has done stuff that is sitting on my shelf over here, like Batman Arkham Asylum, and just lots of good, creepy art for various things over the years. And I think it worked really well with this story. But my first, I guess, technically, my second question to you is, you're not a horror person. No. But you love this, and it definitely has a lot of horror elements to it. So can you please explain yourself? (laughs) I think because it's like a, not like a dumbed down version of horror, but because it is like geared towards little kids. Because I'm just, I'm a scaredy cat. So anything (laughs) horror typically freaks me out. But like, this is just tame enough that I am good with it. Um, But that being said, like the whole concept of it is very creepy. Yeah. And I think this kind of goes back to what you and I have talked about on my other podcast, Chat Cemetery, with, you know, the Dark Tower. There's this fantasy element to it that kind of hides some of the horror elements to it because the Dark Tower is obviously King's fantasy epic. But it still has a lot of horror elements to it with the violence and a bunch of the stuff that happens. And I think you can probably say that for quite a few different fantasy franchises, I guess you could say. (laughs) But this felt a bit different from some of the other Neil Gaiman stuff that you and I have discussed, either through text or previously on this podcast. And, you know, this isn't like American Gods, really, by any stretch. No. Um, I think this probably falls more into the same category as, like, the Graveyard Book, which I don't I don't remember if you've read the Graveyard Book. But I that's have another one of Okay, that's another one of his that's, like, more geared towards children. It's kind of like the Jungle Book as if it took place in a graveyard. Okay. But yeah, it, it's definitely very different from the bulk of like Gaiman's catalog, or at least like what I've read of his. Yeah, and this sort of feels like a mirror dimension in a sense, because you have Coraline going through the store, finding a house that is very similar to her own, and it's even better than her own. There's another mother and father there, and they just want to raise her as their own. And it's like, Oh, well, that's sort of endearing until it's not. Yeah. Um, And things like do after a while go horribly wrong. And you start to realize that just because everything appears to be better than it is in the real world, it's not what it appears. I was a little distracted when I first started this and I had to like go back 20 pages and reread some of it because my brain was just like not retaining anything that day (laughs) for some reason. And then I, I was like catching on and I was like, oh, okay, I'm good now. 
And it got so much more interesting from there. And, you know, I was only like 40 pages in maybe when that first happened. And you Mm -hmm. have Miss Spink, Miss Forcible. What names he comes up with for these characters. And you have Coraline's sort of just getting to know everyone around. And it's a story that goes in a totally different place than you would expect when it starts. Because at first you think, oh, she's just kind of, you know, going around getting to know people. And there's this like mist slash fog that she's playing in. And you kind of think that's going to play a role. And especially as a Stephen King fan, very reminiscent of the mist. I don't know which story came first, but I love a good mist story. Mm -hmm. So I think that worked really well to where I kind of thought it was going to go in a different direction and where it ended up going was better than I could have imagined. Yeah, I mean, it is hard to tell where it's going in the beginning because she has just moved into this house. She's meeting all of these strange characters that also live in... So the way I kind of picture her home is like it's this big house that they kind of divided up into apartments. Yeah, which that's basically what I lived in in Philly. Like, they'll have these twin buildings, like these old Victorian twin buildings. And basically, the first floor got divided up into two apartments, the second floor got divided up into two apartments, and then the third floor was all one apartment. So it definitely felt like that to me too. Like she was just in the building and would kind of go door to door describing people at first, or Neil Gaiman would go door to door and describe everyone. (laughs) But then we would see her sort of interacting with certain people more than others. And I think it just worked really well. Yeah. And like you said, you don't really know if you don't know anything about this story, if you don't know if you've never seen the movie, if you've never read it, like you don't know where it's going. So for all you know, the whole book could be based around her interactions with all of these strange people that also live in this house. Yeah, exactly. And I didn't read the back of the book before I started it. I did it like halfway through and I was like, oh, that makes more sense. (laughs) So I have this habit of not doing that, especially when I was doing Chat Cemetery for the Stephen King books that I didn't know anything about. I was like, all right, I'm just going to keep going into these ones blind because a lot of people know the general premise of Cujo, The Shining, Pet Cemetery. you know, these big, massive mm-hmm. titles that have had multiple adaptations, not Cujo necessarily, but The Shining, The Stand, and Carrie has had like four adaptations. It's a bit much, but a lot of people are familiar with those stories already. And like you said, with Coraline, you could be familiar if you've seen the movie, but I hadn't. So I was like, all right, let's just start this and dive in. And it did take me a couple days to read it because like I said, that first day I was a bit distracted and had to go back. But then once I got into it, it was so easy to breeze through. Yeah, it's a very quick read. So you haven't seen the movie. Right. I didn't watch it just because of time and lots going on right now. But I do have it on my list to get to because okay. I am very curious now what that looks like. Yeah. So I I had seen the movie before I read the book for the first time. So this is okay. like my second time reading through the book. And 
I part of my problem reading through the book is that I think the movie stands out a little bit more vividly in my mind just because of the like the graphic nature of a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so there there are some slight differences from one to the other. So as I'm reading the book, I'm like waiting for things to happen that or like characters to appear that exist in the movie but don't exist in the book. Yeah, I think there's a lot to enjoy with this. And like you said, it's kind of more geared towards kids. So it it was fine for you. And I've been very intrigued by like gateway horror, I guess you could call it. So obviously Goosebumps being a big one, you know, mm-hmm. that's definitely horror, but I think you would be fine reading Goosebumps, you know? Yeah, I haven't actually read any Goosebumps, but I've seen like some of the TV show adaptations. Yeah, it's just fun little monster kind of stories and stuff like that. And I think Coraline might be creepier than some of the Goosebumps stuff, honestly. But I haven't read Goosebumps in quite some time. I just, you know, I've watched the Jack Black movies, which if you have Jack Black in them, they're not going to be that serious. But I, I had a publisher send me a book that was like this YA horror book. And I was reading it and I was like, oh, these are kind of fun. And that's how I felt with this because it has those creepy, you know, black cat elements that you get a lot on Halloween and the illustrations are all super creepy, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like they're not normal illustrations by any stretch of the imagination. And it reminded me of scary stories to tell in the dark and just some of the imagery that comes from those stories with these drawings in particular. And I think stuff like that is just so fun because it's creepy, but it's not like gory or disgusting or, you know, it's kind of more weird than any of those other things I just said. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I I agree. I I do really like the style of the illustrations in this. And I think that it does fit the story perfectly. Because like you said, it is more like weird than it is like downright terrifying. Yeah. And it's one of those things where it's just like, yes, give kids stuff like this. Because I don't think all kids should just watch like the same five shows. That would be boring. Or, you know, just I'll read Dr. Seuss books or something. Obviously, Dr. Seuss is like a few steps below this book. But, you know, you want to have some variety, I say, as a person surrounded by books of not necessarily a lot of variety, but quite a bit. Yeah. And I mean, you need something for those like, quote unquote, weird kids that are into like Halloween and spooky things and like don't want to read the same stuff that everybody else is reading. Yeah, like the kids who actually dress up as like Scream or whatever Mm -hmm. on Halloween, not the ones who dress up as like princesses and I I don't know, (laughs) Scooby-Doo or superheroes, you know, which I love Scooby-Doo and superheroes too. So yeah, to each their own. I'm not saying every child needs to like horror, but (laughs) there's something about the way this is done that I think can definitely be seen as some gateway horror and dark fantasy kind of stuff because this isn't fantastical in the same way that like Lord of the Rings is necessarily or even Harry Potter, which we've discussed this before already. 
you know, a little a little tainted now, but yeah. there are things of wonder in both of those. And in this, it's just her really trying to escape this thing that seemed wonderful and then turned sour very quickly. Yeah. And I, I think also the world created within the book and like the, the other world that she goes to, it's close enough to reality that it does make it that much scarier. Mm-hmm. Whereas with like a Lord of the Rings, that world is so far removed from what we know is reality that, you know, we don't see it in quite the same way that we see this world that she goes to. Yeah. Becky, you being the cat person on this podcast, tell me what you thought about the black cat in this. So I love the black cat and I, I love the black cat as a character in the movie too. I think that it has that same like haughty kind of demeanor that, you know, all the cats that I have ever been around kind of have. Like, Mm -hmm. not that they're stuck up, but they very clearly like know what they want and don't care what anybody else thinks and just do their own thing. And you do see that in the cat in this book. Yeah, there was a moment that I really enjoyed where Coraline's trying to trick mother and she just like kind of throws the cat at her and the the cat is just like destroying mother's face and she you know gets to the door she needs to get to and then she's like all right come on and the cat just goes with her and then she gets back and her actual parents are like this is a weird place to fall asleep also what's with the cat yeah the cat just like appears in their house and they don't question it a whole lot. They let it go. But the scene where she throws the cat in the other mother's face is one of the best parts in the entire book. Because, like, the visual of her just chucking this black cat at this scary, fake mother. <laughs> yeah. It was so good. I was like, oh, you made me like a cat for a few minutes there. Good job. <laughs> So what else did you enjoy about this in particular? I know, like we said, it's a short book, so we probably don't have too terribly much to say about it. But since you are the one who doesn't usually love horror stuff, I am very curious some more of your overall thoughts on this. I think I love, like, Coraline as a character. Um, She is a young kid. She's not really taken seriously by the adults around her. She's described as, like, small for her age. But she isn't afraid to just kind of go out there and explore. Mm-hmm. Like, even when she first gets to the other world, which I don't even know if that we've talked about, like, how she discovers it. But when she first gets to the other world, she just kind of roams around the house and she roams around the grounds. And she, I don't know, I just, I like that she is not afraid. And even when she is afraid, she doesn't stand down. Mm-hmm. She literally challenges this crazy, creepy other mother to a game to save her parents and to save these ghost children that she's met along the way. Yeah, because other mother is basically like, oh, I bet you can't figure out where they are. And she's like, nah, they're behind that door. <laughs> she Yeah, and she fakes the other mother out. She yeah. like is able to outwit her because she knows where they actually are. So she uses that to her advantage to trick the other mother into opening the door for her to return home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I just, I like her as a character. I think she's smart. I think she's brave. And I I like the fact that she is so independent, even at such a young age. Yeah. One of the other things about stories like this and, 
you know, I wouldn't necessarily call this a coming of age story because it's a very singular event that happens to Coraline. But I adore stories that involve kids around this age. Like, I love The Body, which is the same as the Stand By Me movie for anyone who isn't aware of the name change there. I love it. And I just think it's such a fun age to tell stories about because kids experience things in such a different way, especially, Mm -hmm. you know, when you're sort of at that preteen age and they react in completely unpredictable ways because they're not sitting down and trying to think rationally about something. One could argue that I still don't do that, but (laughs) it's just... I don't know. There's something about this age range that just is so enjoyable when it comes to storytelling for me personally. They're also more open to believing things that anybody older is not. Yeah. I don't want to keep bringing up Harry Potter on this podcast, but you see how things differ from year one to year seven. You know, they're so full of wonder and whatnot year one and you Mm -hmm. see how everyone gets a little more cynical as they go and experience more things and you know because they're preteens year one and then basically going up through 18 ish I guess by year seven so that's a long time too you know, to sort of sit with characters and Coraline is just so entertaining whether it's before she's sucked into this other house or during or after, you know, I wanted to know how she was going to react to literally everything that happened. Mm -hmm. And I I also love how after it's all over, when she wakes up in the house again and her parents are back, she still knows that all of this actually happened. It's not like she sits there thinking, oh, maybe I just fell asleep and I had a dream. Like she still believes wholeheartedly that she experienced this and that she actually met this crazy other mother and had to save her parents and save these poor ghost children whose souls the other mother like stole Mm -hmm. truly truly great work by gay men on this one and i still have some work to do you know i recently purchased the new printing of the sandman which is like I guess you can call them like four compendium books or something, but basically it's four books for the entire run of Sandman. And I'm excited to check that out because I know that is something that's like this where it's fantasy, but kind of a little more horror to it. Mm -hmm. And obviously there's the Netflix show for that too. But Becky, I know we're keeping this one pretty tight here. Anything else from you? I feel like we haven't touched on the other world too much. One of the things that I think is the most like crazy about this whole book, the the scariest part of it is the the other mother, yes, but like the buttons is eyes. And yeah. I just think think that it's super important to at least bring that up just because it is such a huge part of the book and the story and the idea that if they sew these black buttons into Coraline's eyes, then she'll stay with them forever. <laughs> absolutely wild yeah and it it kind of draws in the idea that like I know there's a lot of like belief systems out there that believe that like eyes are the window to the soul Mm -hmm. and in taking Coraline's eyes they manage to take her soul it's so so wild (laughs) and 
that image too, because that's one of the images is like the cat jumping on her face with the buttons and man, what a weird, weird thing. Yeah. Or like there's, uh, there's another drawing within the book that is like the other mother eating a beetle and her face is super droopy and misshapen and she's got these black buttons as eyes and it's just, it's so, it's scary. And Coraline always talks about how when she's talking to the other mother and she's looking at the other mother, it's hard to tell what the other mother is thinking because she has no eyes. She just has these buttons instead. Yeah. I really, really enjoyed this though. Like this was a lot of fun. It's definitely one I can see myself revisiting because of how quick of a read it is. Mm -hmm. So I'll probably try to watch the movie at some point and then maybe revisit it a little while after just so I could kind of sit with everything. But you can read this in what, two hours? Yeah, I would say about that. I read it last night when I got done with work because it's been a minute since I read it. And I was like, I should refresh myself on this. And I'm glad I did because I do really enjoy this book. And sometimes I wonder how it's considered a kid's book because I do think (laughs) it can be a little intense depending on the child. But I, I love it. I do recommend the movie. I don't know if you will pick up on this, but one of the characters in the movie is actually voiced by Ian McShane, who, as you know, is Mr. Wednesday in American Gods. That's even better. More excited for it now. Yeah, just love drawing in the rest of Neil Gaiman's (laughs) works. Yeah, there's some through lines there for sure. Yeah, I, I love this. I love this book. I love, I mean, I we've talked about it a bunch. I love Neil Gaiman. So I'm glad that you finally got to read this. Yeah, me too. And Becky, thank you so much, one, for doing this with me, and two, for always being down to discuss all things Neil Gaiman, either on or off the podcast. Yeah, of course. 